Tonight we get to be in Psalm 23. So open your Bibles to that wonderful psalm, which almost needs no introduction. It is well known and well loved by many. It's Psalm 23. It's a psalm of David titled, The Lord is My Shepherd. That first song that we sing tonight is based off of this psalm. So um, before we begin to look at each of those six verses that compose the psalm, I want to give recognition first just to the overall beauty of Psalm 23. It's one of those anointed scriptures, you know, where you just have to take it in as a whole and you can read this psalm over and over again and you'll never grow tired of it. Isn't that right? Each time I read and recite this psalm, I find that there's still more beauty to behold. So would you join with me looking in your Bible? We'll also have the verses on the screen. Read Psalm 23 with me. It is a psalm of David, and it says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our good shepherd, and we are your sheep, Lord. And we pray that tonight, Lord, that you would guide us and lead us by your word and by your spirit. Lord, you would continue to show us what it means to want nothing but you, Lord for you are everything to us. And so, Lord, speak to us by your spirit and through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I hope that in this teaching tonight that the Lord is going to minister to you, but I have a humble confession to make, which is that whatever I say tonight about Psalm 23 isn't going to do this psalm justice. Uh, Like I said, you know, you you only really can scratch the surface every time you look at this psalm, and like all the Bible, but this psalm especially, you're never going to quite plummet the depths of it. You know, just when you think, aha, I understand Psalm 23, the Lord still has more that he can show you. And and so, however, tonight, um, I'm going to take a kind of an angle as we go through this psalm, and I want to give you one source of recommended reading. If you enjoy reading, If there is one book that has had great influence in helping me to understand Psalm 23, it is a book that was written by an actual shepherd of sheep. Uh, Philip Keller uh, wrote this book. He was a local church pastor, but prior to shepherding a church, he actually tended to a real flock of sheep. He lived in East Africa and He did the work of tending sheep for eight years, and then, like I said, became a pastor. And in that time, he wrote what is probably one of the best-known commentaries on Psalm 23, and it's titled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Uh, I highly recommend that book to you. Um, I don't always 
really in general recommend readings, but that's one that has truly blessed my soul. So, you know, one of the disadvantages that I have in understanding Psalm 23 is that I grew up in California beach cities, yeah. right? And, yeah. So I have no real experience of tending to rural cattle. And I'm a pastor, which does mean that I spiritually shepherd the flock of God. But because the Bible was written to people who lived in rural Middle East, uh, there is an abundance of spiritual analogies in the Bible around animals and plants. And so we need to be students of these things. They don't necessarily come naturally to us or things that we see all around us. And so that's why I recommend that book to you, because it explains some of the practices in the culture of tending to sheep. And so what I know about shepherds and sheep largely comes from what I've read. And so just as a way of encouragement, that this is all these things. It's not because I was out hanging out with the sheep last week, you know, and picked up all these illustrations. It's because I've read some great books on it. So, but the writer of Psalm 23 is King David the most beloved king of Israel. But before he became a king and a great military leader, David grew up as the youngest son in the house of his father, Jesse, doing what was really one of the least desirable chores. He cared for the herd of sheep that belonged to his father's house. So David was a shepherd as a young man. And the Bible tells us that David was a brave and responsible shepherd. Uh, he took the job seriously, you know, which all young people should do when they're doing their chores. Uh, but he did, however, leave his post one time to go fight a giant named Goliath, taking it out with his shepherding tools. But otherwise, he was in the fields paying attention to the, the flock that was in his care. And the Bible tells us that David even fought off bears and lions to protect his fold, which I guess is a little bit of what prepares you to fight Philistine giants. But David, right, he, he also learned many great lessons about leading people from his shepherding days. And it's fascinating to look at the similarities between sheep and people. And we're going to look at some of those similarities this evening as we go through the psalm. But starting out in the first verse, we're going to read the beginning of this psalm, or this song, really. And these words were often accompanied with music. I, I shouldn't say this in case you don't realize it, is that the book of Psalms is a catalog of music that the Israelites would sing to the God of Israel. And so, you know, we happen to have a God who really digs music, and he loves when we sing to him. You might not necessarily love, you know, the time of worship that we do in the beginning, you know, let's get on to the message, but you know who does like it? God. God loves music, and that's what the Psalms is. And so David, who was the shepherd king, was also very gifted in writing and playing music. Shepherds would often actually play instruments out in their fields to calm the sheep. So perhaps this psalm was to the tune of something that David had in the past played out in the fields to his own sheep. And so with all of that, we're going to begin what is probably one of the most amazing pieces that King David, the shepherd king of Israel, wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so let's start here at verse 1 where it says, 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. You know, it's a a familiar experience to him. But here, David doesn't take on the role of shepherd to himself. He assigns that role to the Lord. David, rather, sees himself as one of the Lord's sheep. David identified in many ways with the animal that he had taken care of for all those years. And so that relationship that David saw, even as he saw it with his own sheep out in the fields as a young boy, that relationship between a shepherd and his sheep was very close because it had to be. You know, among the many species of herd animals, sheep need the most care and attention. Sheep, unlike other herd animals, they they don't really have good defenses like size or sharp teeth or claws or anything like that. Rather, sheep are slow, docile, and stupid animals. Sorry to the sheep for calling them stupid, but they are. And they kind of resemble human beings. (laughs) And so a shepherd needed to be with his sheep at all times or else the sheep might wander. They might wander off and get hurt. They might get attacked. And if they're not tended to, they might even starve and die. So the point is, is that sheep are very dependent upon their shepherd. Sheep can't survive without a shepherd. So David, considering himself to be like a sheep, knows that he has to have a shepherd. And who is David's shepherd? It's the Lord. And the Lord is simply a name of God. It is the name Jehovah. And God uses that name Jehovah whenever he wants to speak of the ways that he relates to his people. And so here David uses the words Jehovah Ra, which means the Lord my shepherd. Now, besides the Hebrew word, what I want us to notice here in this first verse is one very important word, and it is the word my. Now, why is that little pronoun my so important? Well, because it does not say the Lord is a shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. You see, David had an intimate and a personal relationship with the Lord, and that's what the Lord desires. In the same way that sheep have an intimate and personal relationship with their shepherd, that's what David desired. That's what God desires. And sheep learn to follow after one Shepherd. They learn the smell and the sight and the taste and the touch of their shepherd. But most importantly, a sheep learns the sound of their shepherd. A shepherd knows his sheep by name, calling each one of them by name. And the sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. Therefore, David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. Hopefully everyone here tonight can say that. The Lord's my shepherd. It's not enough to say it's my wife's shepherd or my husband's shepherd or my parent's shepherd. It's got to be your shepherd or else none of this scripture that we're going to look at tonight is going to make any sense to you. Now, this obviously 
Sounds a little bit like the way that Jesus talked. And we're going to get there. Don't worry. We're going to talk about Jesus a little bit later. But let's look at the first few ways that David saw the Lord as his shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he said that, he could also say, I shall not want. David knew that the Lord was a good shepherd. And a good shepherd takes good care of his sheep. He knew that if the Lord was leading him and guiding him, then then David knew, I'm going to be well taken care of. God has got everything that he needs to guide me and lead lead me. And, And so David could rest, right, in that confidence, knowing that all of his needs would be met by the Lord. It doesn't mean that David never had any needs or that David never had any wants, and yet he found that from the Lord. And so who better, right, to take care of all of our needs than the Lord? Well, let's see some of the ways that the Lord, our shepherd, takes care of us. Look at verse 2 to 3. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So first... Here's what David says. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep are animals that that need to be led. They are herd animals, which means they have to stick together and there needs to be someone to lead them because left to themselves, sheep are going to wander off and they're they're not going to have then any clue about how to survive on their own. And so the job of the shepherd is to find places for the sheep to gather and a place for the sheep to eat. And sheep eat a plant-based diet. And they walk around chewing plants all day long. Like literally, that's kind of their lives. They just go around and eat grass and hay and flowers and whatnot. But a sheep doesn't find its food all on its own. In fact, if you... (laughs) This is kind of funny... If you allow a sheep to eat all by itself without a shepherd, what happens is the sheep will just keep eating in the same spot until it literally eats itself into a hole. And then it can't get itself up out of the hole, and it starves and dies there. (laughs) So sheep need to be made to move on to green pasture. And so David says here, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. And this usually happened at the end of the day after the sheep had been eating through all the rough pastures, all the thick vegetation. The shepherd would take the sheep to a nice shady spot with nice green pastures and the sheep would enjoy its last meal of the day, little green pasture in the cool of the evening. And then it says that the shepherd will make the sheep lie down and rest, because sheep won't lie down and rest on their own. They just keep eating. They just tirelessly will just keep going and going and going and going and going. They need to be made to lie down. You begin to see the resemblance of people and sheep? (laughs) Speaking to anyone here? (laughs) And so sheep also get thirsty. They eat all day in the heat, and then they need some water. But again, sheep don't think to itself, you know, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go find myself some water. Rather, the shepherd can tell when the sheep are thirsty, and he takes them to water. 
Now again, because sheep are these docile little creatures and they get startled easily and they can't really swim, the shepherd has to make sure that he leads his sheep to a certain kind of water. For instance, a a flowing river might be too loud or too rough for the sheep to drink from. It might get its cute little wool wet, and then it weighs itself down, and then it gets swept up into the water and drowns, right? And so a good shepherd will lead his sheep beside still waters. So why David says that in verse 2, he leads me beside still waters, because those words speak to us about the safety and the tranquility and the refreshment and the peace that the Lord brings us to. The Lord looks out for our care. He keeps us safe. He keeps us happy. The Lord leads us in that way, knowing that every single day we need that calming refreshment. And then moving on to verse 3, David says, He restores my soul. David is still using the shepherding illustration here in his relationship with God, but what's unique to human beings is that as humans, we have a soul. And the soul is that inner man or that inner woman. It's the deepest part of your being where you sense the Lord in his presence. And yet we know, right, that our souls can often be troubled. Like sheep, we get scared easily. We get worried easily. We get confused easily. We need a shepherd who can restore us. And that's what the Lord is to us. He's the one who restores us when we get lost or hurt or afraid. When our souls become hungry or thirsty, the Lord knows what we need and he knows how to restore us. Do you know what I mean? If the Lord is your shepherd, you know what I'm talking about here. But in verse 3, David continues on. He says here, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, I find that there should be a really big emphasis on the words lead. Because God leads us. Too often, we think that we're the ones that are leading the Lord. No, he he leads us. And, And even as someone who, according to the Bible, is called a shepherd who has a responsibility of being a leader in God's church, I need to be reminded always of who the one that is really leading us. It's the Lord. The Lord leads this church. He's the chief shepherd. I'm just merely an under-shepherd of his. So I'm not the one who leads. You're not the one who leads. It's the Lord who leads us. And how does he lead us? Well, it says here that he leads us in paths of righteousness. Um, If sheep are on a path, then they're going to walk together in a straight line. There's a safety and there's a security of being on a path with the shepherd leading you and walking together with all the rest of the sheep on that straight and narrow path. And shepherds don't lead their sheep near cliffs. You could imagine why. Did you just imagine a sheep falling off a cliff? Yeah, you're terrible. (laughs) But a shepherd wouldn't do that, right? 
A shepherd would not imagine doing that because that would say something about the kind of shepherd that he is. A shepherd would be known as a bad shepherd if he allowed his sheep to wander by cliffs. And so a shepherd is going to know that he needs to lead us in paths of righteousness. But if you don't have the Lord leading you, that's the vulnerable state that you find yourself in. You're just wandering by cliffs. And so we all, the Bible says, are like sheep who have gone astray, each to our own way. We all think that we can just live life apart from the Lord and apart from his righteousness, and you're basically just walking along turbulent waters, steep drops, and predator animals like wolves and serpents. And those animals have spiritual analogies too. So unless the Lord is your shepherd and he's leading you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, there is a lot of danger. You won't make it. You won't survive. And so David knew this quite well in his spiritual life, that when he strayed from the path of the Lord's righteousness, there was danger on every side. And in a moment, we're going to talk about how a good shepherd keeps his sheep on the path. And, and he does it for the sake of upholding his name as a good and righteous shepherd. But David was familiar with what it was like to wander off the path of righteousness. We're going to learn about King David's wanderings when we study Psalm 51. So now you know two out of the five. But here in verse 4, David speaks about the the dangerous places that sheep might walk. Look with me at verse 4. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So as a shepherd would lead its sheep, sometimes they would have to pass over peaks or they'd have to go through valleys. And these tended to be the most dangerous places for all kinds of reasons, mostly because that is where sheep were vulnerable to death. Uh, fierce animals like lions or bears might come out and take one of those sheep, you know? But because the shepherd was with the flock, the sheep had nothing to fear. In the shadows, aren't those just beautiful words? I mean, they've been words that have come for many dying saints. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I don't know how people walk through the valley of death without having the Lord with them. It's a game changer to have the Lord with you when you're facing the shadow of death. And so the sheep had nothing to fear because the shepherd was right there at his side. Yesterday I got to visit a dear brother in the Lord from this church in the hospital. And with tears, he told me how he felt as though he was this close to death the other day. He said, if you don't work on me in the next 15 minutes, I, I think I'm going to go. And yet he, in tears, said how the Lord was with him the whole time. It's beautiful. Because you don't know when you're going to face that valley. You don't know when you're going to see that death. And unless you have the Lord right there with you, I don't know how you're going to face it. 
And so the shepherd would walk with his sheep through that valley. Shepherds would also carry different instruments with them. Two of them are mentioned here. He carried a rod and a staff. And we know that David also carried a sling as well. And these tools were used for different reasons. First, to confront enemies, but also to correct the sheep. Sometimes enemies would come along. Perhaps another shepherd would come and try to climb into the pen and steal one of the sheep. Or or some sort of predator animal like a wolf would come to attack. And the shepherd would, would wait out there in the fields with the sheep, even at night, sleeping in front of the gate, making sure that nothing walked out and nothing walked in. And if the shepherd saw someone or something that was trying to hurt his sheep, he could fight off that sheep with his rod. That's what a good shepherd does. But I also said there are times when those tools were used also to correct the sheep. The staff might be used to push or to pull the sheep back into line on the path. The rock or the sling might be used to startle the sheep from wandering off too far. I like to think of that as the convictions of the Holy Spirit. The rod in desperate measures, was used to strike the sheep on the leg to stop it from wandering off. But what a good shepherd would do after striking his sheep on the legs and injuring it is that a shepherd would carry the sheep upon his back until the sheep was nursed back to full health. And I know how this speaks to the ways that the Lord has corrected me. He disciplines those whom he loves. If you're not chastised in your wanderings, you are, you're an illegitimate child. You don't belong to him unless God chastises those whom he loves. So this all speaks to the way that the Lord might correct us as his own, but it also speaks to the way that the Lord confronts his enemies for my protection. And then David goes on to say more about his enemies in verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Some believe that the analogy begins to shift here from shepherding to more of you know, a, a, a king's home that had a table, but, but it certainly can still apply to a shepherd caring for a sheep. But, you know, sheep don't eat at tables, but they do have enemies. However, David ate at a table, and he had a number of enemies. If you remember the time when Saul was at his dinner table, and David was playing music for Saul to soothe his spirit, and, and, and Saul, out of jealousy, threw his spear at David, trying to kill him. Some think that this psalm was written when David's son, Absalom, was in rebellion. And Absalom was a child that was in David's house, a son that was fed and raised at the table with David, and yet he turned rebellious and he tried to take the throne of his father David. That was never God's plan. So, For the sheep, the enemy could have been lions and wolves or bears. For David, the enemy could have been Saul or Absalom or or the Philistines. But for all of us, we have enemies, don't we? 
Maybe physical, sometimes physical enemies, but for sure spiritual. There are real enemies of our souls. Primarily, there is the devil. (laughs) There's warfare all around us. But how comforting is it? How filling is it to know that the Lord has prepared a table? A table is a sign of blessing. It's a, it's a sign of belonging. If you sat at a table with someone, it means you had fellowship with them. You were in relationship with them. What a picture to have that safety and confidence and belonging because the Lord is with you and you are seated at the table with him. And that table, did you notice where it's located? In the presence of my enemies. You're just right there enjoying God in the presence of your enemies. And then it says that the head was anointed with oil. And to anoint the head with oil was something that shepherds did to their sheep in order to keep pests like flies and critters away. Um, But anointing was also something that was done to kings. And so David probably could have remembered when Samuel had anointed his head with oil for him to be the king. And, And even though the Lord had anointed David, he still had to wait patiently to be king. And there's so much that we could go into here. Uh, we could, you know, not to mention how the oil speaks to us about the Holy Spirit. Or how the overflowing cup refers to that abundant life of the Spirit that God gives to those who have Jesus as their shepherd. That the presence of the Spirit is within us and our cup overflows. And so all of this language, all of this imagery just keeps building upon itself to show that those who have the Lord as their shepherd shall not want. With the Lord, we have seen that if he is our shepherd, we have perfect contentment, care, comfort, correction, in confidence. We have everything we need with the Lord as our shepherd. So David ends the psalm, and we end here tonight at verse 6. Again, so much more could be said about this psalm, but let's wrap it up here at verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So aside from being a shepherd, David was also a king. And he loved the Lord. He served the Lord. And he, he, he led many to love and serve the Lord. David was a king who even decided that he was going to build a house for the Lord. Although it was Solomon, David's son, who would later build the temple, which became the, the house of God, which is still, you know, uh, renovations of it. Uh, or no, never mind, that's destructive. David uh, put together plans, right, to, to <laughs> I'm trying to get my history right. David put together plans to make sure that the Lord would just continue to be the shepherd of Israel. That was his heart. He had a heart after God. He said, I want God to be the shepherd of Israel. He's my shepherd, but I want him to be the shepherd of Israel. But listen, when David was at his best, It was when he had this heart of God being his shepherd. But when David was at his worst, it was when he lost sight of God being his shepherd. 
But you know the thing about a good shepherd? Is he never abandons his sheep. Either at our best or at our worst. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David knew that the goodness of God followed him each and every day. David knew that the mercy of God followed him each and every day. In every season, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the valleys, David knew that the Lord was there to care for him and to restore him because like a sheep, David needed that constant oversight of his soul. And finally, David knew that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What perspective does David say that last part, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Well, from the perspective of a sheep, I think that David was just one of the sheep, one of the many sheep in the house of God. From the perspective of a king, David had great plans for the house of God. But God had great plans for the house of David. It was to the house of David that someone would come. But also David is saying something here about an eternal perspective. He's speaking even from a prophetic perspective. It's taken me this long to get here, but I'm sure your heart and your mind was drawn at many different moments to this point. Who is our shepherd? Jesus. Jesus, the son of David, the king of kings, the anointed one, the good shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Amen. Amen. I feel like we got a tiny bit more time here. I want to do something, and I I wasn't sure if I would do it, but I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to read John chapter 10 from verse 1 to 21. Just listen. Words might be on the screen, but just listen. Do your best to listen to this and to see Jesus in it. This is what it says. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Perhaps tonight your eyes were opened to seeing Jesus as the good shepherd. I've used a lot of figures of speech tonight in telling you about the shepherd. Everything I've said tonight about shepherding sheep is meant to point you to Jesus, the great shepherd and the overseer of our souls. So, so the question is, did you hear his voice tonight? If God spoke to you by his word, it means you belong to him. If you were picking up what I was putting down, it means you belong to Jesus. He's the shepherd of your souls. But I love what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And if today you want the Lord to be your shepherd, just tell him, and he will bring you in. If the Lord has spoken to you tonight through anything that you've heard from Psalm 23 or John chapter 10, if God by his word and by his spirit has said, Jesus must be your shepherd, then I just tell you tonight, listen to his voice. Jesus is the good shepherd. The question is, are you one of his sheep? If tonight you want to become a sheep among this fold of grace with Jesus as your shepherd. You can pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I've heard your voice tonight. I've heard you call me by name. Jesus, will you be my shepherd? I want you to lead me. As you lead me, I will follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship Jesus.